It's Monday morning, and I'm going to flash back on a conversation John and I and a bunch of other uh, writers had in the Timberwolves writing room on Sunday night. And uh, I we were talking about the Pro Bowl, and we were talking about just how weird and silly it looked. And I said, you know, I think next year they're going to have Peyton and Eli just play Scrabble. And I think it was, the consensus in the room was that everybody would prefer watching Peyton and Eli play Scrabble to watching what happened on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I got in the car to drive to the Wolves game and had my uh, radio on K-Fan. Um, and as I'm backing out, I'm just hearing just a normal broadcast, like play by play situation going on. We're like, what is going on? What are they talking about? And then it really did dawn on me that not only has the league shifted to a flag football, um, uh, event for the pro bowl, but this was actually on the radio being called as if it were some real game. And I just kind of shook my head and couldn't believe it. But, as we also also said uh, last night, it probably is going to draw a huge rating. Like it's probably going to be more than game two of the NBA finals. Um, that's just the addiction that this country has to football. Um, and, and that's the way it is. But yes, I mean, I, you could do away with it. You could, you could sub in Scrabble. We could do, um, you know, a jump rope competition. Anything would be more compelling than, than just flag football for sure. And I'll check myself here too. By the way, this is the Viking Update Show. This is part of TalkNorth.com. We will talk about the Vikings defensive coordinator search lately. Later, later, we will also talk about the upcoming Super Bowl and other Vikings issues. You can also listen to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider on the network. When you find a show you like on our network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Uh, thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. And we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We'll tell you more about Aquarius later on. Uh, I will say that I was in favor of them experimenting. You know, that the Pro Bowl itself was a joke and I never watched. And then I watched like two plays of the flag football and I thought, okay, this is worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't. I, I watched just a little bit of it too while it was on in the media room. And um, I guess I, I don't know what, I was expecting, um, but you do just look at it and you're just like, you know, what are we doing here? Like, why, why is any of this necessary? Um, and you know, like I, I would be much more inclined to just like some sort of overall skills competition. Like they had the NFL quarterback challenge back in the day. I used to watch that a lot. That was fun. They're throwing at moving targets and stuff like that. And, um, I know they did a few things that way with like a toughest catch and, and stuff like that, but it's just, um, it for, it's just not for me. I don't know. Uh, and, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure there's a ton of people that watched it and got a kick out of it. The players seem to be enjoying themselves, um, uh, running around and kind of doing it that way. But, uh, but overall you just kind of scratch your head at why we are even being asked to do this and go through this charade, but then it gets the same coverage that uh, uh, the AFC championship game gets. And so um, it just, it just is a, it's a statement on the appetite for football in this country, knowing there's only two more weeks of it. There's this week and the pro bowl and then next week in the super bowl. And then you, you go on hiatus for a long time. And I think just people don't want to let go of that yet. 
I, I agree. I was talking to somebody about the hierarchy in American sports uh, yesterday. And, you know, I, I'm old enough that I remember when baseball actually put up a fight uh, mm-hmm. to be the number one sport in the country. They lost the fight, but it was at least, you know, it, it was a, it was more of a TKO than a complete knockout. Now it's like, there's nothing else on the same scale as the NFL in terms of gross popularity and revenues and power and, Nothing's going to change that. And I actually, and I, I, I'm not even arguing against it because I, yeah. I love watching the NFL. I love writing about the NFL. I love the fact that it always feels big. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's, the amazing thing is that it's probably the league that it's probably the league and the sport that has the most problems, you know, concussions, severe injuries, uh, you know, labor issues. They have all kinds, all, and none of it matters. Their popularity just well, it, it has reached. They've reached a point where they are popular because they're popular. They're not even popular because of what they actually do anymore. They're popular because they have they took they reached the apex and just camped there. They're they're too big to fail, Jim. Like yeah. that's that's what it is right now. And yeah, like I I love watching it too. It's just, but it it is also it's a game that is perfectly designed for what um society is right now which is short attention spans um and the, it, it has found the clear secret and understands it that scarcity is a actually a good thing and i think that with baseball with hockey with basketball and all of the games that they play in the regular season it dilutes the importance and the intensity of it um, in a way, whereas the NFL, even when they expanded to 17 games, it's still just 17 games. And each one is event. Each one is really important. And they have injected all sorts of measures into the collective bargaining agreement to make sure that there is parity in the league, which is a great, great thing. They understand that, hey, it's really important that Green Bay as a market is is as big as Dallas is and for for us. And that is something that a lot of the other sports, my favorite sport, the NBA um, in particular, has had a very hard time sort of trying to grapple with and trying to master. And the NFL has done an incredible job with it because because it is a great product during the season, um, game in and game out, very close games, games that mean a lot, high intensity, all of those things for three hours a week. That's what the investment requires. And, um, and, and it's just, it's been very shrewdly and well shaped and designed by the power brokers. And, and now they are reaping the rewards of that. They have done a great job of designing this game to appeal to the modern audience. And now there is no hierarchy. It's a dictatorship. It's the NFL and then it's everything else. And that's why there is a flag football game on, on Sunday and why I'm sure it's going to draw a really big number in the ratings department compared to anything else that was on TV at the time. No doubt about it. Uh, and it goes back to something I, I kind of invented a phrase back when I first started writing columns about, and I was trying to explain the, why the NFL would be so popular and soccer would be so relatively unpopular in America. And I came up with Americans need a suspense mechanism. We yes. need the sense that there is something that is about to happen that matters. And football has that with scarcity of games. Football also has that with downs. You know, every mm-hmm. third, I mean, at, at most, there will be 
an important play every three play. At, at, I should say at the least. At the least, there will be a very important play every three downs. A, d- a down that determines whether you get to keep the ball or you have to decide whether to kick or go for it or whatever else. Uh, and then you have a relative lack of, of plays. You have time between the plays to build suspense. You have time between games to build suspense and add time for speculation. It's perfect for it's perfect for TV audiences. It's perfect for Americans. Yeah, and 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 also like the one of the fun, really fun parts about it that I'm sure has coaches tearing their hair out over. It's an extremely complicated game, but it's very it's 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 at the base level. It's very simple, and so any fan can watch and say, "Why did they call that play?" You know what? No, I would have done this. Um, this player is is the guy I'm drafting for my fantasy football team. Like there is a relatability from the fan base to the game itself that allows fans to believe they can be armchair GMs and coaches um, in a much, I think, more direct way than baseball or, or basketball or soccer or hockey or any of these other sports. And so I think it has a way of just connecting with the fan base. Um, and, and, and every, every 30 seconds, there's a debate. Did they call the right play? Should they have run it? Should they have passed it? Who, who did the, the quarterback throw to? Why did they miss that person or that? And, and so in this debate culture that we are in, you literally have 75 of them per game if you want to do it that way. And so it just breeds that sort of um, discourse, disagreement, all of that stuff that just keeps you going. It's a dopamine hit like every whatever, 40 seconds or the play clock. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And uh, by the way, the greatest thing that NFL general managers and coaches ever did was make the coordinator positions very visible and important mm-hmm. because now if they run the ball and it doesn't work, they should have passed it. If they mm-hmm. passed the ball and didn't work, they should have run it and you can blame, blame everything on the coordinator. hundred percent. Yep. And, and the, and the coordinators are making huge money just like head coaches are. They're, they're kind of propped up as the next big thing um, or the scourge of the century in Ed Donatel's case. And they, they, they provide targets um, uh, for either admiration or scorn. And, um, and it, it just like they're, it's moss to a flame. It's, it's, it's all so perfectly designed for this modern consumption and the way that fans consume and, and absorb sports that, uh, you, you, you couldn't do, you couldn't do it much better. You really couldn't. Let's get to the Vikings search for a defensive coordinator. We're talking here on Monday morning, mid mid morning on Monday, and uh, it sounds like Evero is out, which is a shame because he's a talented young guy. And Desai pulled out. It sounds like at the moment it might be down to Brian Flores is the person I always preferred to get this job, and uh, Mike Pettin, the you know, assistant coach currently on the staff who has been a defensive coordinator before i i wanted floors all along now i want him more than ever there may be an advantage to Petten. he may know exactly what went wrong and how to fix it by being in the room he obviously has a good relationship with o'connell there are a lot of ways that could work but i just i would not feel comfortable handing over this defense to anybody who was involved in this defense last year (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think like it seems like the the decision making process now is down to do you really sort of hire someone like Flores who probably is going to take much more ownership of the defense and maybe shape it and reshape it in the way that he sees fit? Um, or do you go more with Petten, who is probably more in lockstep with the overall philosophical choice that Kevin O'Connell made on what kind of defense he wants to run? And that I think that's going to be a, a big deciding factor. Or maybe they're going to have to go to Petten by default if Brian Flores is the next one who who pulls out of the uh, the running here. And I do think it is notable that. You know, the the Denver defensive coordinator did not even take an interview, I think, with mm-hmm. the Vikings. And, Correct. you know, you look at it, is that more so about the personnel? Is that about the expectations? Is that about, is there kind of a dogmatic approach to what kind of defense they need to run here? Um, that I'm not sure. Uh, but it's clear that he was the top candidate on many people's uh, boards uh, for for being hired, and when a, a candidate of that ilk doesn't even give you a an interview, that tells you that maybe there's something else going on here that needs to be examined and 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 really taken a look at of why you couldn't land, you know, uh, even even a conversation. The, the Vikings should always be in the conversation with the foundation they built with the organization that they have with the facilities with all of these things and to not even be in the conversation there i think it's a real concern about you know what the word is about where this defense is about what they want and how they want to go about fixing it um that's going to be that's going to be something that they have to examine and, and and take a look at why they couldn't even land an interview Yes, and and I do wonder if it's as simple as they looked at the defensive talent and said, "Oh man, it's possible." I'm going to have to get rid of all the old popular players. I'm going to have to start with a bunch of young players doing what they're doing, and it might take years. It could be, but he, but here's the thing about that, Jim, is like, yes, I think that that is a very real possibility that many coordinators are looking at and just like, "Hey, look, you're 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 a lot further away than than maybe you even want to believe," and it's this is going to take time, but in the NFL if you can't make big changes and big improvements to your roster with two draft classes, which is what Quasi will have had and two free agent classes, that's a problem. Um, you know, there are not seven, five, six year rebuilding projects anymore in the NFL. If you do are doing things the right way, if you are making good decisions, you're drafting the right players, you're signing the right players in free agency it should take you no more than two years to really kind of change around a unit and and inject it with youth and athleticism and players that fit whatever style and scheme that you are approaching. And so that's my my look at it. But it is, you know, it is clear that the Vikings, by virtue of where they finished in the defensive rankings, are as far away as any defense in terms of being a competitive group. But um, you'd hope that you'd just, you know, you'd be able to set up things where you, you you could tell these guys like, look, give us a year, year and a half 
um, and and we'll have you restocked with talent and and ready to roll. And then when you make the improvements, you'll be in a great position to get a head coaching job somewhere because of uh, your effect on it. But um, but I do think it can't. We don't want to obscure that. There's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done on the roster itself to get it to a, to a, to a group that is ready to compete next season. Yes, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. We'll keep you updated on that. Let's get to uh, the Super Bowl. But first, let's thank TSR Injury Law, sponsor of many programs across the Talk North platform, sponsors the John Krasinski Show, and ha- always has. Uh, just all you need to know, 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, you're going to need good, ethical, aggressive representation. They will provide that. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They've won so many cases that they've gone from a, a very small shop to a one of Minnesota's great business success stories with beautiful offices down in Bloomington uh, that we visited. 612 TSR time, 612 TSR time. That's what you need to remember if you are injured. Also want to thank Aquarius Home Services. The holidays are over and we're all dreaming about spring. But at Aquarius Home Services, we know old man winter isn't done with us yet. Remember last year? We had snow in April. That's why at Aquarius, we're offering $98 off any furnace repair. With your safety and comfort as our top priority, we'll treat your home in time with respect. We'll provide options that make sense with upfront, no surprise pricing. We're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. As we talked about earlier, one real football game left in this season: Eagles against Chiefs. Uh, I, if uh, two months ago you told me this is the matchup, I thought that that'd be great. Mahomes against Hurts, two really good organizations. Eagles, uh, remarkable roster building. The Chiefs, you know, winning even after trading away their number one wide receiver, Hall of Fame coach. They're so many great angles to this story, and I am looking forward to watching it. It does uh, bother or worry me a little bit that both quarterbacks are banged up. These are two incredible athletes, and I hate the fact that they might not be at 100% for the biggest game of the year. Yeah, it, it is a shame that way, and I because I do think that this these are the two best teams, that they have been the best teams all year long. So when you get the matchup of your two best teams, the uh, potential for a really, really good game is at its highest. And um, I, I am hopeful that the two weeks in between games, kind of what, you know, the treatments and things that they're going to be able to, to do will at least get them to both to a point where they are maybe not 100%, but just like will have the ability to put on a good show. Um, if they don't, that would be really disappointing because I do think that this does have the potential to be a, just a great, great football game. And, um, I was, you know, rooting for the Bengals cause I just, I, I'm a Burrow guy and I, I wanted to see the Bengals in over the chiefs, but this is a great matchup. And so if Hertz and Mahomes can at least be 75, 80%, and 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 out there making plays um, and ha- and have that ability. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching the game. Uh, but yeah, I go into it with a little trepidation because of that as well. Who do you like? Um, I think the Eagles are the better team all around. I think Mahomes is the best player, and so I'm going to take the Chiefs because I just think. I'm going to I, I think that Mahomes can carry a team 
just to a little bit higher degree. And so I'm going to, I think he's going to be ready. He's going to go after it and, and try and make a statement and, and win, win the Super Bowl. And so I'm going with the best player over the best team, even though I think it's really going to be evenly matched. Fascinating because I'm trying to learn from my mistakes and picking past Super Bowls, past big games. And I would always default to the better quarterback. And it has that approach has burned me. And one mm. of the times it burned me was the, when the Eagles played the Patriots in the Super Bowl here. I thought, okay, yeah, the Eagles are the better team, but it's Brady against Nick Foles. Of course, Brady's going to win that. The Eagles had so much a better team that that it didn't matter. Um, and I think the Eagles, the Chiefs are a great team. I think the Eagles are on another level in terms of overall personnel, personnel quality and depth. Uh, I think they have the two best wide receivers that will be playing in this game. Uh, they have a very good tight end. He's not as good as the Chiefs tight end, but he's a very good tight end. They have uh, productive running backs. They can run the ball with their quarterback. They can control the line of scrimmage. Great offensive line. Uh, great three on all three levels on the defense. I think the Chiefs really do need Mahomes to be brilliant. And as well as he played in the last game, high ankle sprains just don't completely go away this quickly. I'm just not sure he can do all the magic things he has to do against this defense. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Eagles. I do expect it to be a close game. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I think that, um, all of that is right. And, um, and they are the better team. And so, especially, you know, that, that defensive front is going to make Mahomes run around and can he, can that ankle hold up? while being chased by Hassan Reddick and, and all the guys that they have up front there. And so I think <laughs> Jim, I think it comes down to, I don't want the Eagles to win. Like I just don't, <laughs> like, and I, I, I don't enjoy that. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, get everybody mad at me, but I just, I, I would, I would rather see the chiefs win. I don't want to see the Eagles win. And, um, and so I'm probably picking it more out of emotion than, than, than brains. Um, but Hey, screw it. Why not? <laughs> well, and, and listen, the Eagles are kind of a fascinating case because they might have the worst fan base yes. in professional sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's horrible. It's, and every Viking fan who went to that NFC championship game knows it. And, uh, and you know, a lot of Eagles media try to defend it, uh, and it's disgusting. And the cops were were absolutely on the side of people breaking the laws. I mean, it was it was a horrible scene. It really was. And so I I think it's a horrible fan base. I think it's kind of a cool city. You know, it if is you can a cool city. Yeah. If you can separate Eagles fans from the rest of the city, uh, it's kind of a cool city. I thought that the Eagles team that showed up here for the Super Bowl really was classy and really good to be around all week uh, and did not reflect their fan base. Uh, and I think Jalen Hurts is a really cool guy and a great leader. So I'm, so I'm very torn. I, I, I don't want to see Eagles fans happy. And yet, <laughs> and yet I like so I like a lot of things about their te- their franchise. Yeah. I mean, it, from a, just from a pure, just team standpoint in the way that Howie Roseman has built that team, it's really, really impressive. Well, the draft well also sees a window open, so he goes and gets Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph and all these other guys. Um, goes all in. Like I, I love all of that about it. It's just like the prospect of joy coming to um, <laughs> that group of fans. Like it's it, that's a hard one to swallow sometimes. Oh, no doubt about it. And 
and you know, and the other thing is the Chiefs. Uh, you know, they have that, that franchise is lousy for a while. Yeah, and and even when they were lousy, it became a kind of a great scene. I mean, you we, mm-hmm. we know as writers, we usually try to get to NFL City. You know, we try to get to the stadium well ahead of the, the rest of the fan base. You can't in Kansas City. They're mm-hmm. out there like six a.m. for mm-hmm. whatever time the game has started. They've turned and and. It's a really interesting thing because I started covering baseball games there a long time ago, and I covered a Vikings game there, I think, in 1990 or something. And they just did so many things right. So many things right there. They put two stadiums in a, on a chunk of land that they weren't using for anything else, and they built two excellent stadiums next to each other: the baseball stadium and the football stadium. Shared parking lots. Uh, designed in a way that they're kind of timeless. Nobody's ever saying you should tear down Arrowhead or tear down Royal Stadium. Uh, both great places to attend games. Uh, fan base can go tailgate anytime they want. And listen, I prefer I prefer the downtown. I like Target Field being right here. I'm looking at mm-hmm. it out my window. I love the downtown model. I think that's the ideal if you can pull it off. But, it, but for sustainability and not having to go to the taxpayers all the time and having a place fans can really enjoy to go – going to games. I mean, Kansas City nailed it. And then you add in the fact that they have the most entertaining player in the league, uh, uh, an innovative offensive coach. Uh, that is a cool scene. Absolutely. And I, I've never been, but I've always wanted to go because I, you know, it just, you see it. And I've, I have friends who have been there. Um, I have a bunch of friends who have worked in that town at a, what was, I, maybe it still is, but what was an incredibly, good newspaper for a long, long time. Um, so, and I've, I've heard all sorts of stories about the tailgating about the way that, um, you know, the chiefs are just kind of embedded there and, and just the overall, I always was also always told that, um, for outdoor stadiums, Arrowhead was the loudest that, um, that there, that there was. And so that's cool. Like all of that is cool. Um, it just seems like a, a really cool, I, I guess, overall scene. Yes. And so, um, to, to have that rewarded, uh, I, I'd be all for that for sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's either Seattle or Arrowhead is the loudest. Yep. Uh, it's one of those two and they both have great fan bases and, and going to a game. There's a blast. And listen, you know, we go to a lot of ballparks, a lot of stadiums, and there's some places you go and you go, God, I wouldn't buy a ticket here. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, went, I remember going to MetLife stadium for a couple of games and they just spent a billion dollars to put, I thought, this is place is nothing. There's nothing special about it. It's not pleasant to be here. It's not pleasant to park here. It's not pleasant to drive here. The wind just hurtles through the, the openings in the stadium. It's cold. I mean, you know, I would, I, you know, Arrowhead, I would love to go to a game there. You know, and, and I love I've always loved going to games at Royal Stadium, whatever it's been called over the years. Uh, and it's just it's got a feel to it. And I will also say this, that there have been a number of anecdotes that have come out through the years of Patrick Mahomes, like going out with his girlfriend or, you know, now his wife for pizza or something. And people leave them alone. You know, they like respect that, that he's there on his own time. So so I do think it's a good scene. And and that gives me every reason to cheer for the Chiefs, even if I'm picking the Eagles.